0: That was a track by the Black Heart Rebellion. Um, I would say the name of the song, but it's most likely in Farsi. But it is a cover off of a track in the A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night score. You're listening to The Scent, a show about everything horror. And today's show is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be mostly talking for today. I invited my best friend and we cover their introduction to horror Uh, What they've been watching recently, and uh, depression, and how mental health is in music, horror movies, and how it can help us deal with trauma. And we end it with our review of One Cut of the Dead. So I hope you all enjoy this different episode, and we'll start right now. Okay, So today I'm joined with Enrique, and if his girlfriend wants to join in later, she's open (laughs) to join. (laughs) Um, Enrique is one of my best friends and he's actually uh, we kind of started uh, You introduced me to Supernatural
1: Yes I did when it first came out I watched it uh, the first episode that came out And I was like dude you have to watch this it's pretty fucking sick And that's when I was like you know we're like Supernatural lights per se Mm
0: Yeah 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 and so we bonded over anime over music uh, and he introduced me to Supernatural, which hopefully we can probably do an episode on later.
1: Yeah, there's so many, man. And it's still continuing. Yeah. yeah and Final kept... season. No, no man. Not too much. I'm done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How far have you gone?
1: Not that far. I, <laughs> I think you're like okay. season 12. Mm, so it's she... Somewhere around there. I don't know. It's... I don't want to give any spoilers, but I'm pretty far God in. God sister? Uh, past that. Okay, so you're almost there. Almost there. but too close to Too far.
0: All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mentioned earlier about the 31 Days of Horror, uh, and Enrique is doing that. Yes, I am. Uh, they're on their, what, ninth day? Yeah, today's the ninth day. Yep. So uh, I wanted to leave it open if you wanted to talk about anything.
1: Well, we've recently watched a movie or a film particularly called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And this is a, a two thousand six film, and it's a very underrated film. Yeah. But what I thought was really interesting is, no, again, spoilers ahead to whoever hasn't watched this. Sorry, but they it's a documentary sort of style film, where they introduce you know the epidemic, not really epidemic, but more of the the fascination of serial killing. So in this particular film, they they sort of encapsulate. A lot of serial killers that we, as a pop culture, love to actually mm. fantasize—not even fantasize—about to like, you know, we love. So they incorporate Freddy Krueger. They actually mm. mentioned um, the the whole thing, the whole serial killing that he did. Yeah. They also mentioned Michael Myers mm. and the town how he terrorized, you know, his sister, and then um, they also uh, introduced Jason Voorhees yeah. and the whole. Cr- uh, Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake incident, yeah. and I thought that was cool. That was the very like first fifteen minutes of the film, yeah. and that just you know, begins the whole universe of like you know these famous serial killers and yeah. how they disappear for days and years, mm-hmm. and then they, you know they come back like you know these demons to yeah. know, kill these teenagers. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like the whole premise of the movie, is like a mockumentary trying to like detail like the real life kind of like how do these serial killers do what they do? Yeah, exactly. It's um, like a
1: how to to serial killing. <laughs> pretty much
0: pretty much uh it's a horror comedy i i I, I would consider right yeah. i mean it, it it makes fun of like the whole um uh like showing behind the scenes so like w- one specific scene that i loved was um setting up the house mm-hmm. and uh he'll go and like uh s- like start cutting uh uh, like halfway to the branches so that, so that uh, whenever people will try to escape from the house from the second floor they'll fall.
1: They'll fall and then break their necks. Yeah. It's such an amazing scene.
0: <laughs> uh, so little stuff like that is what the movie is like all based on is like Enrique said, a how-to. And then Robert England is in there. Oh,
1: my God. Robert England plays this uh, psychiatrist in the film, which I thought <laughs> yeah. was funny because, you know... There's always if, a psychiatrist. Yeah, of course, or a doctor or yeah. someone. They actually mentioned this in the film. He was known as an... Um, what well, was a Nahab? Which, in the film, if you mm-hmm. know, Nahab signifies that, like, good uh, soul that mm-hmm. is there to defend what he calls the survival girl. Oh yeah. And yeah, this yeah. is what it Robert England specifically played in this film. But if for those who know who don't know Robert England, he played the original Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and he was so great in that film. He yeah. like was totally into the role and he made it funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. In my case. But um like we were talking about, I wouldn't say mostly made fun of, you know, the the whole serial killer thing. It's mostly it was a very serious film in the sense mm that, you know, it, it literally told you what these people do yeah. to, like, uh, emphasize, you know, terror upon, you know, the the person they think is the survival girl. Yeah. And it was really interesting. I did like that film.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes into, like, the psychology behind it, too.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, it, 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 you you know, you dwell into the mind of these, you know, so-called serial killers and how they think, how they do what they do to, you know, portray their torment
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, their their desire to finally, you know meet this survival girl at the end and it's yeah. you know a battle of wills at this point yeah it's really interesting there
0: is that scene for like the uh was it the main slasher movies it's always about this fascination with virginity with the final girl and uh and it plays on like the expectations that people that the killers sometimes might have
1: yeah and exactly and speaking of virginity though that movie is really interesting on what happens during that that you know, the
0: subcuts yeah. of Avagon Virginity. It's it's uh it kinda like reminds me a little bit of um what's it called? Uh, Cabin in the Woods.
1: In what sense?
0: Kind of like in just like the stereotypes that, or like the, oh okay, yeah, I know what the caricatures about. of each of the yeah, characters. Yeah,
1: each each uh, stereotypical, um, you know, pot smoker is gonna die. Y- yeah, at the end, and it turns out to be incompletely true. Yeah, and then you know the the virgin is supposed to survive at the end, mm-hmm. and even though in this film you know she's not really technically one. Yeah. But yeah, Kevin in the Woods is a different film. It's it's it's, it's, it's
0: completely it's yeah.
1: completely different. It literally takes the whole horror genre and just crumbles on it and it just like keeps going it's it's own genre honestly that's what I think anyways
0: um but uh yeah so that's with uh rise of
2: that
1: was behind the mask the Mm. rise of uh Leslie Vorham.
0: yeah so Mm. uh Definitely highly recommend, I think, we oh, both, yeah, yeah. yeah it, especially if you've, like, if you grew up on the slasher movies, you'll get all the, all the references. Yeah,
1: especially the original ones. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, it's a really, like, uh, it's more of a nostalgic film for me anyways, because yeah. when I, I was, like, literally, I was telling my girlfriend, sorry, when the movie started, um, when as soon as they mentioned these famous serial killers, <laughs> yeah. I was, like, so excited, I'm like, oh my god, it's in the same universe, and I was, yeah. like, I was tripping out, I was, I was really amazed. Yeah. And and, and uh, never saw a film that actually, you know, incorporated all these guys into
2: mm-hmm. it.
1: But yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting film. Yeah.
0: How about any other movies that you-
1: Well, I recently saw uh this is gonna be me, but I saw the um the eye, the um original one that is uh the uh, Hong Kong version and think believed it was released in uh O uh, two. And so if you guys know the eye, it's um it's about you know, a blind girl who recently got reconstructive eye surgery mm-hmm. and is, you know, learning to cope in her new surroundings because she was blind at the age of two mm-hmm. and uh, she she never knew like what the world was saw. Now they did do a remake to this, and this is with Jessica Alba, and I honestly did not like the remake. <laughs> I did not like it yeah. at all. It, it's not a, not even a. It's pretty it has the same plot, but I believe it did not do it justice Mm. the the hong kong version was uh indeed uh terrifying yeah at least because um you know this girl is new to her surroundings so she doesn't even know if these you know what she's seeing is actually believable yeah and i thought that was interesting
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so with this particular film though um she it's almost psychological in the sense because this girl is walking around wondering you know oh like you know this is a new site Mm -hmm. This is a new, different sensation because she's usually um, she's usually by touch, so she knows how things feel. Mm -hmm. She could tell you by that, but then the the psychosis kicks kicks in, and she doesn't know what this certain image is. She can't tell you directly from sight, and then so then you know the terrifying things start when she starts seeing things, Mm -hmm. and she like asking. She thinks these people are real, and in reality, they're not yeah um, if you guys ever get a chance to um watch you know the o2 version mm-hmm. it's trust me it's a lot frightening especially because yeah. it's it's filmed sort of low dimmed mm-hmm. and you see through her perspective at first and it's very blurry so okay. we're literally in her eyes awesome. her new reconstructed like eyes that. which is pretty cool yeah and then it's a it's a really interesting up to the end of what happens and everything mm-hmm. I, I actually like that film
0: and that's like a general recommendation for all uh asian horror movies watch the original yeah please. don't watch the remake <laughs> no
1: don't, I'm, not, I'm not going bad on like you know the u.s remakes you know they they yeah. try their best but always go with the original ones yeah. every time even if it's foreign it's yeah. it's amazing yeah yeah that definitely. also brings back you know to the original grudges mm, oh those yeah. are freaky
0: Rong. yeah right. yeah yeah
1: those original ones man they they creep me to this day
0: yeah and i love scary movies yeah, they're still creepy <laughs> Ah, oh, shit, yeah, I haven't watched it since I was a little kid.
1: Yeah, those, those original and The Grudge has nothing compared to
2: Juan, man. No. It
0: really doesn't. Okay, we're going to go and take a break and listen to Health Bells by ACDC from their album Back in Black. And we'll go, go and continue the show after. Like how, if you want, if you want to share how you got into horror, what were like the first couple of horror oh, movies sure. that you got into? Yeah, I could
1: easily talk about. It. I love talking about this. So, if uh, if you guys know me, um, I'm a big horror fan. Uh, I started in high school. If you ever knew me, I was uh, loved horror, the genre of it, uh, the music behind it, the whole uh, sensation. You know, you know, you're terrified at the edge of your seat. But yeah. as a kid. I was an immense scaredy cat. Mm-hmm. I could not watch a single scary movie, at all. So my brother, now a couple years younger than me, he loved scary movies. He watched The Exorcist as a kid, and he was laughing his ass <laughs> off all day. They, yeah. uh, I think they showed uh, the the film at the theater, and then you know he and my dad watched it, and he was just cracking up every oh, time gosh, and i was yeah. like you know with my mom watching a different film <laughs> yeah. yeah so what ended up happening was um there was this one time where we went to a trip out to canada the victorian Islands uh, mm-hmm. specifically and we were on the ferry from to get to the island and my brother was watching you know <laughs> my all-time you know favorite um killer combo mm-hmm. freddie versus jason yeah love that film it was the funniest shit i ever thought but at the time i didn't mm-hmm. i thought this film was terrifying yeah. So my fear was that it was always like, you know, their faces, the blood, the killing. And one day, you know, we were at this in the car. And my brother was watching it and I was watching it without sound. And my brother had his headphones and he was listening to everything. So I was watching this film. And then I thought to myself, it's like, wait, what am I so afraid of? They're, 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 this is funny. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, you know, these people are dying. And, you know, they're dying in the most ridiculous ways possible. Yeah. And to me, it was mostly the sound element that scared me. It was always, like, the loudness, the, the just the suddenness of the sounds I scary. Yeah. So little by little, I started watching these films until, you know, I put the sound on finally. And then I just started loving them. I, I just grew out of it. Nice. And, yeah, because I remember my dad, he used to make me watch scary films. Like, I remember watching The Shining. And he literally <laughs> shit, put, yeah, me, yeah. He put me in the chair. And he said, you're going to watch this. And I'm like, no, oh, I don't shit. want to. He literally <laughs> stuck me there. And I was watching The Shining, and I kept closing my eyes the whole time. I couldn't, I I couldn't stand the sisters, yeah. the uh, the whole you know blood thing coming up. Yeah, no, that scared me. But Sweet. now, uh, coming up to high school, just kept watching them. I I like the remakes. I love the originals. Some of the remakes didn't do it justice, but yeah. I mean it was still fun to watch. I'm not complaining. Do you about have any
0: it. favorite of the remakes that when they were coming out?
1: Let's see. I remember uh, when Friday the Thirteenth came out. Yeah. Now this is funny because you know. If any of you know the original Friday the Thirteenth, and again spoiler alert, in the original Friday the Thirteenth, it wasn't Jason Voorhees who was the killer; mm-hmm. it was his mom, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, but in the original, in the remake, um, it it was Jason, like straight yeah. up. They never even introduced his mom. They did; but it was only briefly. Yeah. They only mentioned that um, that you know she died trying to protect him. That there was this girl that chopped off her head, and you mm. know we see him coming from the lake yeah. with him, I think. I I believe it was with her head, if I'm not mistaken. If not, I think it just comes up with the machete. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you have these campers mm-hmm. after that, you know, these kids coming up with yeah. the camp and you know the 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 sex scenes and all that that happened. And you know, sex plays a really interesting role in the Freddy the thirteenth films. If, I don't know if you know that.
0: Well, I know like the that's like the main reason because I just watched the original like a couple months ago. But that she blames the kids for having sex, <laughs> and that's why Jason died. Mm-hmm. And so very particularly with Friday the Thirteenth, the sex is like very much in your face. Like oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it's it's at least with the oh yeah even in the original ones they they pretty exp- they expressed it pretty vividly. Uh, so, yeah, sex, specifically with two campers, plays a very interesting role in Jason's eyes. He always kills the first two campers that have sex in those films. Every time. So there's, like, now one yeah. answer, maybe, you know, there's a couple of people that get in the way. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you have a cop that's being investigated and, you know, he dies against yeah. a tree. At least in uh, part two, I remember that. Uh, but, like, you know, it's always these teenagers, these campers, these counselors that always like you know hey let's find this let's go to you know camp crystal lake find one of the cabins and have sex in it
2: yeah. who the
1: fuck does that <laughs> i mean i get the appeal of it it's like oh yeah. my god if people died here that turns me on but yeah. literally if there there's a story about a guy who kills in that area i don't i don't think you should stay away i yeah. guess
2: yeah
1: <laughs> But yeah, I they remember. Need the
2: money.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then my, uh, I'm gonna go into sort of that same year. I think a couple years after is one of the worst remakes that I thought in particular was, and that is the night, uh, the nightmare of Elm Street. I did mm. not like the remake to that. Honestly, yeah. the only reason why is because the actor they chose mm-hmm. is not Robert England. He he did not portray him. He he portrayed him as terrified. I'll give you that. It was that element of like, you know, scaredness, you know, you're scaring these teenagers, but there was no comic, there's no comedy in the character that Freddy usually is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was disappointed in that. He was always just like, you know, I'm going to kill you, but you need to watch them suffer and have a blast doing it. Yeah. And that made me sad. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> but overall, it was a good film. I mean. I...
0: In that one, is it are they a little bit more explicit about him being a child molester?
1: Yes, that one was a lot more explicit about it. They yeah. literally had pictures, oh,
2: sure.
0: not
1: not really showing pictures, but it was implied that he had pictures in the place that he did it in. Yeah, and that that's what I kind of didn't like either because it wasn't implied that he. I mean, it wasn't even in the original. It wasn't even. Uh, implied that he was that the parents thought,
0: like the second or third movie well
1: even not even in the second or third one he in the first one the the parents thought that he was getting too close to their kids mm. and they kind of thought that he was being a little touchy i guess yeah but in the in the remake they really implied that he did like molest these kids gotcha there's pictures there's a lot of kiddie oh, toys gosh. and there's a little playpen that he mm. had hidden in the back of the school or like in the back of a room somewhere yeah. yeah, they made that very explicitly clear.
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah.
1: yeah, but I mean, horror has always been around. My dad introduced it to me, as I told you in the beginning. Yeah. Um, And then I diverge into more of the, you know, the sort of, to the general people, the screamo bands that, you know, that play most about, like, you know, death metal and all that. Yeah. Uh, I diverge into that and listen to it more because I was just deeply fascinated. Yeah. And then that diverged into what I am into right now, which is true crime serial killers, you yeah. know, people like Ted Bundy, um, Charles Manson, even though he didn't kill anyone necessarily, yeah. his psychology behind it was interesting, Yeah, and then, you know, it's just a, it's a morbid fasc- a fascination, I know that for sure, I mean, you're, you're, you're gonna have, you know, a couple of, uh, of times where, you know, you feel bad for these people, but it's the psychology behind these, you know, these serial killers that fascinates mm. me, and then also measured in psychology, just
2: FYI.
0: Mm. yeah. <laughs> that was like another thing and I was having a conversation with uh Elizabeth Mm -hmm. about like I don't know it's hard for me to believe that a person can be inherently bad or inherently uh like they can't change Mm -hmm. and so like this whole idea of like was sociopath right
1: uh there there's different characteristics um some even to this day there's always that um uh, that conversation between Mm -hmm. nature versus nurture and it always will be a never-ending battle. I honestly believe it's both. Yeah. You know, you are brought into a certain environment that you can never escape from. That could either be a good or bad environment. But you could also bring about, you know, how the way that your parents treat you. Yeah. I mean, you could also, honestly, you have the best parents in the world. Mm-hmm. But you could be growing up in a very bad environment. And that influences you to become something else. You think that's yeah. your new normal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have your typical, you know, that he was always born evil yeah and i honestly don't believe that people are born evil they are groomed into being it yeah because depending on the environment they grew up in gotcha um but yeah a lot of people uh like to use that 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 argument's like oh he was always born evil Yeah. and i honestly disagree with that statement i never never honestly truly believe that people are born in a certain yeah. way they they're, they're they're you know they make their choices up to the whole point and that's mm-hmm. where you know we we have specific uh terminologies to these people they're sociopaths yeah. who show a lack of empathy yeah and then they're psychopaths who necessarily go to the extreme and actually harm a physical person gotcha yeah gotcha. yeah so that's the difference between those two and uh, so
0: like with sociopaths to ta- attach that like negativity like inherent negativity towards mm-hmm. it, it's like just because you lack empathy doesn't mean like you're Bad to yeah, say exactly. is just like you, you probably have a difficulty connecting. With exactly,
1: people. and that's what I always hated. Uh, sociopaths aren't necessarily you know negative; they just can't express themselves through other people. They can't show. They have a lack of emotions, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. It's just you can't show it, mm-hmm. and that's what sucks. A lot of people believe that serial killers are sociopaths. Yes, some most of them are, but mm. not everyone that's labeled a sociopath is gonna be a serial killer yeah I mean that's that's just negative and bad thinking that's literally incompetent thinking <laughs> like yeah. and no just no that's not gonna happen at all <laughs>
2: yeah
1: uh but yeah, and then you know we we have the whole you know triage which is the called the mcdonald uh, tri- uh triad yeah which you know we we kind of uh distinguish you know certain character traits that could involve into violent tendencies later on, which include you know uh urinating in the bed as a kid that's mm-hmm. one of them it's always How's uh, that connect to it it's it's interesting it's just uh i forgot why specifically that one was there i think it's just a lack of control that's what it is mm. it's a lack of control and that is sort of associated with your body fluids anything in general gotcha. which will lead later on to lack of control in your emotions mm. now with this triage though you have to have two of these characteristics in order to be classified as one i guess yeah and then there's the uh killing of animals yeah and i seriously don't know why anyone would do that yeah But uh, apparently with some of these people, I think they just want to feel something. They want to be in control of something that they can't really do that within their lives. So they, you know, they kill these animals that are helpless and they can't really do much. And then that's one of them. And then the last one is, um, I'm forgetting this now. Oh, there you go. It's being an arsonist. There you go. It's it's, uh, literally having a fascination of fire yeah so if you have two of these characteristics or maybe all three you never know uh they they kind of predict that you might have violent tendencies later on in your
0: life gotcha
1: yeah mcdonald triad uh uh, triad sorry keep saying triage triad (laughs)
0: triad.
1: yeah the mcdonald triad that's that's one of the fascinations and that's what that's what that kind of came up with the whole point of serial killers
0: so I'm wondering, like, maybe this, like, rise in, like, true crime story, that, or at least the popularity of it, maybe might have influenced, like, why the remakes uh, try adding more backstories to, to the killers. Oh,
1: yeah, I could see that. Since this was, I think, developed in the early... Uh, I forget when the, the, the thing was. I think it was early 60s, maybe 70s. Yeah. When they had this thing. Uh, but maybe, it's
0: really increased this past oh, yeah. couple of decades. A,
1: a lot of people believe in this... uh uh, tri- uh, triad now and i think you you see it more and more and like how we have like different background stories to these you know famous pop culture serial killers and yeah. they and especially like you can see that in the rob zombie one yeah specifically in his remake of halloween
0: yeah
1: where like we see literally you know this future michael myers killing yeah. you know birds burning stuff up in his school yeah. and all that yeah no we really see that and then and i think i remember one scene that we saw him like bedwetting i yeah. think his mom was like putting up the the clothes and yeah. you see like a little thing so yeah it's very popular nowadays yeah yeah and then we see like if people know it, it's very subtle but if you know this people are like oh that's him that's gonna happen that's mm. his why and that's the reason it's more of a pointing fingers sort of thing it's like oh he did all these gotcha, it's the yeah, whole point, yeah. which is why i kind of also hate classification systems mm. it's not meant to be a one all yeah it's supposed to be a sort of guide yeah to uh see if you know, your kid's gonna have trouble later on, and if he is, yeah. there are ways to help him. Yeah, that's where therapy comes in. <laughs> gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah but, that's That like, ties into like well, I guess like we say classification systems, like uh, diagno- diagnostic diagnostic uh, way of like um, trying to uh, identify stuff. Or it's like... more
1: or less of an identification system. It's yeah. like you know, trying to figure out what's wrong with you in your body. You know, doctors, yeah. uh, diagnosticians always find out it's like oh, you have these certain characteristics. This is what it is. Mm. It's sort of like a guide. With psychology, though, since it's still an up-and-coming thing, we don't have a necessarily, you know, it's this or that. It's always a variation of things. And it's still evolving to this day. We have so many things. We have not even gotten half of what the mind is capable of. Yeah. Or, like, what we can classify as something. It could be something else. Mm -hmm. We have many different mental illnesses that are even, even, you know perfectly with like you know this is what everybody has exactly. everyone has different mental illnesses different
0: yeah everyone it's, experiences exactly. it differently too yeah um, so, I what mean, is it called well, we were talking about that like with uh depression mm-hmm. and so like making a little tangent into harry potter oh, okay, uh, so uh jk rowling said that uh and this is like you don't have to take everything that an author says or the directors say into like their work but uh, that the the mentors were supposed to be uh, representation of depression.
1: Ah, I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're literally trying to suck in souls to feel something.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I could see
1: that happening. Uh, That's a pretty good representation.
0: Well, I mean, it depends. Like, because like some people, we we're having a conversation in the class. Like personally, whenever I've had uh, any depressive episodes, uh, and especially like in middle school, high school, it did feel like it was something separate from me. Like that kept on latching itself on to me and so like i can kind of see like it the dementor like metaphor would work for me mm -hmm. like an outside
1: source coming and getting into your life
0: exactly but then uh our professor they uh they have i forgot what it's like uh when they they, like depression is like ongoing throughout their life i forgot recurrent depression or like it's just like it's always there like it's like it's part. i guess like
1: I guess severe depression is one way to classify it.
0: Yeah, so like pretty much like ever since like they, they were like, okay, I guess like the, so for them, they identify it more like it's just a part of who they are because they have, they have had to live with it their whole lives. Yeah, I can
1: see that at least from my personal experience. I had it since, like I got diagnosed with MDD, uh, anyone, it's major depression disorder um, at the age of 13, if I remember correctly and i could honestly tell you that it's i, I already made peace mm. with this it's it's going to be in my life i can never get rid of it yeah. it's always going to be there it's part <laughs> of who i am and i'm proud <laughs> of that actually because i i would be normal and i don't like being normal <laughs> yeah. but uh you know i have my downfalls just like anybody else Some, you know, more consistently could be very very bad but um at least with me i, I can see where your professor is coming from because yeah. he had he's in a certain age that he already made peace with it and yeah. he he's been battling through this his whole life so he i'm, I'm glad that he actually accepts it she yeah oh well, sorry she <laughs> uh, my bad bad gender specifications i didn't know <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah that, that's horrible yeah. actually <laughs> anyways yeah. uh, so you know let's get this she <laughs> um actually you know what's funny though specifically with the gender thing most you know i I, you know as a psych well at least as a psych major we're kind of prone to uh you know classify gender specifically depression with females
0: Mm. and the fact
1: that you know i said he it kind of you know diverges from that interesting but anyway but then um, you also
0: go with professor and i guess you yeah. get
1: that gender of yeah. uh, society being like men being yeah. professors and now,
0: well historically too
1: yeah whatever that doesn't make sense <laughs> But anyway yeah it's she and i'm glad you know your professor specifically uh she she's made peace with it yeah and that's very good i mean some people have always like fought this their lives that, yeah. that's an sorry that's a never-ending uh constant battle yeah, and it sucks because you know they 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 keep fighting and fighting, and then you know one day, in you know the inevitable truth, they just stop. Yeah. And I've I've lost a lot of friends with uh, that that fought a never-ending battle with depression, and they just stopped. They they lost hope. And They you know did what the inevitability of you know what we have
2: yeah.
1: Happens and and I always fear that it's you know it's always a constant, but I I know in myself that. I will never reach that point. I have yeah. a lot of loving friends and family that, you know, will miss me.
2: Yeah. And
1: I'm and not saying that, you know, they probably didn't have. That. Yeah, like they probably didn't. You know, most of my friends probably didn't. No, like I'm not saying that they didn't have that support. But I I know that that's what I'm living for. I need gotcha. I, I that connection. And the fact that I need to make peace with this now and not fight it. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, obviously I'm going to have these constant mm-hmm. battles, you know, like little mini battlegrounds, like, you know, oh, my God something happened I'm just gonna you know lie in my bed crawl into a blanket and just stay there yeah that I mean that, that happens on occasion I'm not gonna lie but the thoughts uh, that reoccur with me it's always like you know this is gonna be it's gonna be easier if you do this blah 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 I tend to block those immediately I'm I'm not gonna think that way I'm just not because there's no point yeah it's not moving on with my life it's it's mostly just literally stopping it And I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I have Mm. a lot of people that, you know, I depend on, they depend on me, and I can't do that. Yeah. And then, you know, I wouldn't be here, necessarily, if I kept thinking that way, and I'm not going to. Yeah. Ooh. Survival.
0: (laughs) No, I mean... We had talked about this before. Yes, we have. But I think this is the first time, like, you really, like, went into, like, how... Well, the, the family part, your family and friends part and how... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. My
1: family and friends are my main source. Yeah. Not, not, no, that's not saying that my girlfriend isn't. I love you, babe. Mm-hmm. I always will. She's my main reason yeah. why, you know, I'm mainly here. But my family and friends are always number two as well. Or yeah. not really number two. I would say they're, they're Equals, pretty close, yeah, equal ground. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to say that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say, you know, they're, they're, they're all with me. Yeah. Every time. Even if they're not here with me, they're here. They're with me in spirit. Yeah. No matter what. And uh, I'm also cutting off other sensitive materials that I did in the past. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. But, uh, no, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm free to talk about it anytime, especially if it helps somebody. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we honestly uh, need some sympathy and empathy, especially with these type of cases. Yeah. Uh, you need people to, you know, feel what you felt because yeah. it's really hard, especially because I talk to my girlfriend about all the time about, you know, how I'm feeling and she doesn't get it because she doesn't know how it feels so Mm -hmm. this is why we need you know at least a person or or people that have felt this sort of way and you know we could help each other out and that's why it's it's a really fascinating thing and i think a lot of people uh literally one of my my quotes is misery loves company Mm -hmm. and i truly believe in that sense because you know we, we suffer but at least we suffer together yeah and you know we connect through through misery i guess
0: well, yeah, that that, share, that, sense, that shared shared pain. Yeah, that
1: shared pain in that sense, not the other meaning, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is some other thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that shared pain is always the way to uh, the way that's that's good because you connect, and that connection leads you know to eventual, uh, I guess, um, friendships that last a long time.
0: Well, part of it is like being vulnerable that's because it. you have to be able to open yourself up and to be able to share that stuff with anyone And that's anyone funny else. when you
1: speak of vulnerability. Yeah. I was one of those people that never opened up. I always kept to myself and... Well, I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know me for a <laughs> long been time. For, for how long? Yeah, yeah. You know me for a long time and I, I actually only recently started telling you this. Yeah. And I've known you since you were a sophomore in high school.
0: That's... Yes what like 2012 that's 7 years
1: no I think it was 2011 2000, oh no wait hold on 2011-2012 yeah 2011-2012 damn yeah. it's a long time
0: <laughs> yeah uh, but
1: um, yeah I and not even until then I, I really need to talk to anybody I kept to myself yeah and I thought that was the best way but honestly it is not <laughs> yeah because you have a lot of uh, negative energy pent up inside and eventually mm-hmm. if you keep uh something bottled up and pressurized in a you know container it's gonna blow up yeah so i i you know i honestly believe that all my friends and family
2: yeah
1: and my girlfriend have uh you know saved me in essence also music (laughs) no yeah Yeah. i always believed in you know this is why i listen to screamo fyi (laughs) but uh most most of these bands actually uh feel the same pain and they 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 speak even though they scream I mean, to me it's speaking okay <laughs> the um, lyrics the, everything they, they literally share you know their pain
0: even and, like the vocalization too
1: yeah exactly they the. that you know what people in our you know our type of you know genre of music say that they're whining screams yeah i believe that that's literally their vocalization of how they actually feel yeah and i thought that's the best type of like you know screaming in my case because they those lyrics plus the way they do it is is truly a work of art
0: sometimes it's not just a style it's like a way of representing exactly and
1: i thought that was a good way to do it and i would mostly listen to these whining screaming bands i guess but uh I really do uh, enjoy the the screamo genre. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the subgenres in in general, but no, we're yeah, going to yeah. leave it as that, but yeah. uh they they do have a very good representation of what, you know, depression, anxiety, a lot of just negative emotions. Do you want to share yeah. your top ones? My top ones, oh my god, I have so many.
0: <laughs> I know. Just, just a couple. Uh,
1: honestly, there there's some that I lift through there was uh let's see there was this one particular uh band they were known as victims and now i think they're called um well, uh, um youth forever i don't think they do uh, i don't think they're together anymore because yeah. they they change so many times there's this specific song called Freudian Slip." yes a psychology reference um that literally he is yeah. screaming and apologizing for every little thing that he's done wrong or that people told him mm. was wrong. I showed you this song before, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. while ago. And he's apologizing even though I don't truly believe he he believes that he is sorry for these things. Yeah. And it's interesting because um some of the things that he apologizes for is one of them that really spoke to me was he says, I'm sorry that um I've always felt so alone. And That's an interesting topic with me because that's how I always feel, even in the presence of people. Yeah. That's, that's, we can't apologize for the way we feel. It happens. And the fact that, you know, whoever he's talking to in this case, is he maybe himself? I don't think it's himself mostly. I think it's, at least from my personal experience, it's someone, maybe a significant other, telling him this.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, because, I mean, have you ever felt like. It's almost to a point where, like, sometimes like you feel sorry for yourself too or because you can't explain it you have to I'm, and not to say like self-pity or like but you know there comes to a point where like you said like sometimes like it's so tough that sometimes you, you, you have to like add, i guess almost not like admit but like come to terms like you know what some there is a little bit of like remorse or sadness for the position that
1: for me um so let's just say you know i don't have an i'm not having an episode and yeah. you know, i'm thinking back of what happened i honestly don't feel bad
2: yeah. that
1: you know it happened uh maybe back then i did mm. i i always felt sorry that i'm sorry for the way i am especially you know growing up because i could never control oh, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but now since like you know i explained earlier um i made peace with it mm-hmm. uh it's who i am it's something I can't run away from, and yeah. I honestly don't feel that I should. It's it's just part of me, you know. Deal with it, you know. Fuck all you who say you know it's it's you know it's you and you shouldn't be that way. I'm like I'm sorry, but that's how I am. Yeah, I'm not gonna change who I am. That's how I am. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: It's either you deal with it or you help me deal with it. That's mm-hmm. what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, that song that that literally was. Uh, I used to have a playlist that every time I felt... Actually, I still do have that playlist. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's called the Happy Playlist. Yeah. yeah it's ironic. Um, where I have these sort of set songs that yeah. help me get out of the mood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people always say, you know, why do you listen to depressive music? It's only going to get you depressed. Uh, depressed. Yeah. I'm like, that's not the way it works. Yeah. These people are depressed, but they, again, that shared, you know, yeah, sadness. Yeah. It's It's, that's how you connect. And that just, you know, brings me back to... Normacy, I guess no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, happy people. yeah that, that that also brings you know the whole that that's a different topic though, I guess uh there's this specific uh saying that with the august burns red yeah. um band that they have you know this saying that's angry music for happy people, and that that <laughs> that that is different compared yeah. to what I was talking about because that brings a whole different set of why people listen to you know thrash metal. And then like, you know, like, you know, our screamo music when they do the mosh pits. Yeah. It's where literally, you know, these people, we're all happy people, obviously. Yeah. We're not like, you know, uh, what is it, angry and, you know, we want to beat people up and, you know, throw yeah. shit and destructive. Now, the reason why we do this is because we have so much negative energy inso- inside of us that we let it go through these mosh pits. And mm. then, you know, we give it to each other And then, you know, we're letting all our energy out yes. And this is why, you know, these mosh pits are actually happening Or, you know, what you call hardcore dancing nowadays yeah. This is an old term back in, like, what, 2010s? <laughs> yeah, but
0: yeah. there's a difference I mean, like, yeah. there, there's the people who, like, punch and kick And don't yeah. have no consideration for the people around them
1: Those people are dumbasses, so yeah. I'm going to give you that They, they have no, you know, um, you know, no, what is it No connection to these actual, you know, music They just want to punch shit yeah. While you know most of us specifically, I mean, you know, I'm talking for myself specifically, yeah. but I, I I've talked to people that feel the same way. You know, we're we're like pushing each other, yeah, you know, you we're shoving, and then you know, if someone falls, we're not gonna leave them there on the floor. Oh, yeah, you we'll pick, pick them, them up. right up, and then you know, we do it again. It's mm-hmm. a shared sort of energy that we all share until we're we're done. Yeah, and that's usually with this music, and I thought that was good. Yeah. So it's always gonna be you know, angry music for happy people. Yeah. Because you know we're invertibly happy. We're not mm. sad. Well, most of us are. But we're, we're just trying to release all the emotions we have. We're venting. Yeah. And this is what this music usually does. We're venting out our emotions. Yeah. Still love that saying, too.
0: <laughs> okay, we're going to take another break and listen to Psycho Killer from The Talking Heads, which was featured at the end credits of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Lovely Vernon. Hope you all enjoy, and we'll continue right after.
2: Can't relax, can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire Psycho killer, qu'est-ce
0: no, uh, I was going to ask you because since we were talking about depression for a bit, uh, where there, have there been any horror movies that you felt Look, okay. So for example, uh, my fascination with some of the rape revenge movies mm-hmm. that I've shared with you. Um, I was sexually abused, um, as in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's not like even like this like fantasy fulfillment but even like it there's something cathartic sometimes that 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 comes through uh watching certain scenes i could see um, that happening. i and of course like this is this is specifically me mm-hmm. and not to say like for some people it re-traumatizes them uh seeing certain things um does uh bring back all this, oh, this yes. stuff and not to say that i i enjoy watching it it's tough for me but when i do feel in that headspace where i feel like okay i'm comfortable uh sometimes like it's uh it's, what do you call it uh living through that person i guess i guess it's kind of like that fantasy fulfillment to see these people get their two children yeah, um, it's a
1: very satisfying feeling with you know the rapist actually fucking dies yeah and they should yeah they, they, these people are horrible regardless of who yeah. they are but i could see do where you're you coming from.
0: from depression
1: though um well specifically from yours i actually see uh that actually happening it's a normal thing yeah. it's the fact that you know you live through a trauma yeah. and it's some people actually can rewatch it and and it's very tough it's where PTSD comes in and that and that's not only for veterans here yeah, it's yeah. for any trauma that you experience yeah. but with you you're learning to deal with it and the fact that you know these rape revenge films are sort of like a gateway per se yeah. and you know the, the fact that you feel satisfied that these you know evil rapists die yeah. it's good it's, it's a way of coping yeah. I guess But with me, though, the depression films, I'm trying... Probably,
0: like, psychological thrillers are probably going to be, like, the the main ones that might deal with it.
1: I'm trying to picture if there is, like, any specific horror films that deal with depression.
0: There's a couple... I mean... And, of course, like, depression comes in many forms. Yeah,
1: I could see that happening. I mean, the one I could honestly think about but it's not really a happy film (laughs) donnie darko (laughs) yeah yeah that's not that's not a happy film at all that just leaves me to believe what you know i'm honestly thinking yeah and that that's that's a different feeling and i mean on
0: uh, can you like probably elaborate like what feeling you get
1: with that donnie darko film if you notice it's a cult uh, cult following film that features donnie darko and his uh and his mental illnesses that he has Specifically, I think he is dealing with depression with other amongst other mental illnesses. But he sees, you know, the future and time travel in mm-hmm. this film. I, I don't know if you ever seen this, Stephen, but it's it's where he, he sees the portal and gateways of this. Yeah. Now throughout this film though, we see his family dynamic, which yeah. isn't very good, specifically with his sister. Yeah. It's it's not that good. They like they hate each other. The mom is <coughs> Obsolete and not even present in his life. uh She's more interested in, you know, her little girl, which is his baby sister, and then, you know, there's the older sister. And then the dad is always just, you know, the typical suburban dad that doesn't really care. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, I'm just here. Yes. Yeah. You know, just in the conversation. I'm only here as a fucking placeholder. So, Donnie Darko, he's in high school and he, you know, he's living his own typical teenager life and everything. And as I mentioned before, um, Seen the portals. Yeah, yeah, it was the whole time travel paradox thing that he's dealing with. And he's very fascinated with this thing because he he believes that, you know, he has the power to foresee the future yeah. and everything. So, he, he you know, he's living his own typical life. He meets his friends. And he eventually gets a girlfriend.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this new girl that came to the, you know, the block and everything. But with this film, though, uh, you see how his life is affecting other people's lives Mm. it's specifically seen with this uh, i think he is a preacher yeah it's a guy who who i think teaches sex ed or something of abstinence and yeah it's a it's like a speaker that comes to his high school if i'm correct and he uh he talks to these kids and he basically just says this is all bullshit (laughs) like right to his face i remember that um so and then um so
0: that would be kind of like almost someone um invalidating like his own experience of his depression i could
1: see that happening it's one of the instances I, i honestly think it's just teenage angst he believes that you know so would that be depression now no no this is where i'm leaving up to it this is the whole point
0: yeah so this
1: is just one of the things this is part of the film that's what i'm saying yeah so and then he also messes up with other people's lives saying that you know like you know all this but in reality this kid you know he's alone he's dealing with stuff on his own and he he basically is just going through the motions of life yeah. so it's kind of hinting he's kind of depressed yeah. or not really he, he, he's like just you know doesn't give a shit anymore yeah. so then it goes to the end of the film which again I'm sorry if you haven't seen this film but it's kind of ruining it um, what ends up happening is that in, in the beginning of the film, he, he this is why he sees the future is the fact that you know he was out of his room and he was out there like getting something. I think he was out in the forest that day and a, uh, what is it? a plane uh, engine crashed directly under his uh, bedroom mm-hmm. right where he sleeps and he wasn't there. so he, he also like got a sign that he says go to the forest and you know he avoided that immediate danger because he would have died if that engine you know crashed into his bedroom so this goes into later on in the film now knowing this that you know it's coming up to this day that that's going to happen to him he decides to stay in his room mm-hmm. he doesn't do anything about it he yeah. he literally just says uh, in, in that everyone is better off with him dead and that is the that's ending true. of the film Yeah, he literally does that and what we see later on is that no one remember. No one really cares who this kid is. Yeah. They're Like his, you know, this is all going back. It's a it's a revolving circle. The girl that he supposedly is his girlfriend. This is all turning back to the beginning, uh, when they first met. Supposedly, it it asked this neighborhood kid. It's like, hey, who was that? You know, they push into the gurney. It's like, oh, that's Donnie Darko. He's a weird kid. And then she just says, oh, and then just leaves.
2: Yeah.
1: It's it's a whole revolving circle, and the fact that you know he chooses. To like literally kill himself because people that he believed that everyone off was better if he was dead yeah and with this specific uh the specific film in general, I feel that a lot of us feel that way, you know, like if people will
0: or at least at one point,
1: yeah, at least at one point and it's actually for me i 'm talking only about myself at this case, uh, most of my thoughts and my battles are usually revolved by this question will people be better off if you know i was dead yeah and i usually
0: stop feeling like a burden yeah
1: exactly it's mostly feeling like a burden to people feeling like you know i'm useless and like people are helping me and i feel like they're they're doing too much to help me and you know the mental state that i'm in so with this film in particular it actually brings out like you know people actually believe in this it shows in this specific film and this film got a cult following yeah. It was a really like a really well renowned film that people yeah. like to see which actually it's a it's an interesting concept to me that this specific film brought about so many people that liked the ending.
2: Mm. And
1: some people actually I talked to them as like they never understood it to begin with. They like just the another you know, pop culture reference I come to and I'm like, Okay, no. But like yeah. I talked to people and it's like, yeah, you know, I honestly believe that, you know I I think these this way too, like how Donnie did and, you know, ultimately he sacrificed the life for the greater good of his neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, but um it's it's an interesting topic.
0: I was gonna say like also okay. So lean to like this idea of suicide and kinda like depending on what movie and how they frame it, uh not like make it a noble act or like kinda like make it seem like oh like suicide was the best option or mm-hmm. it was good. Uh it chapter two.
1: Oh, I could see that yeah. I,
0: I I hate the way that they framed it as like, oh, he, he did this for the benefit of the team, and in the case of maybe the logic within that movie, it makes sense, but but
1: it shouldn't be justified. Yeah, and you could also see that with Donnie Darko. A lot of people found that you know, since he did it, why not mm-hmm. I do it? Because I feel this way. Yeah, it's it's not the concept. Yeah. Uh, with specifically a chapter 2 though yeah i never liked the way that Stan... it ruined said, the No, movie it ruined for me. the whole thing in the original mini uh mini movie uh when they aired it uh he actually did do it because he was too weak to move on and that was just done that was no for the greater good of his yeah. you know group that the fact that you know they're going to die if he doesn't yeah. do this no it's, he was too weak to move on because of the terror and the trauma that he witnessed as a kid it just all came flashing back and you know
0: and that makes sense that
1: makes perfect sense yeah and this specific remake that's one of the reasons like you said it's one of the reasons why i hated that film yeah it's they justified his suicide yeah and it's no that's that's not right at all man this is trauma yeah (laughs) this isn't even close to what people should even do or think just because you know to survive yeah, and you know that's I get the whole greater good thing, you know, kill one for the greater good of the people, but no, not yeah. in this specific film. Yeah, it shouldn't have
0: happened. <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, I, I, so that kind. You're talking about Dying Darko, and I, I have to revisit it. Uh, did you ever watch the director's cut?
1: No, I haven't. I have the original well, theatric film. <laughs> hopefully,
0: we'll go to and watch it together. Oh,
1: I'm down. Um, yeah, I wanted to see what the director thought at the time.
0: But uh, you were also thinking, did you want to talk about Ms. Silmar or Hereditary? So, you know,
1: speaking of these, most of these directors do these films because of the way they're feeling, right? Yeah. Uh, Donnie Darko, I think, I, I don't know why specifically the director did it, but since you mentioned Mint Silmar, whoo, that specific director. So, if, again, you know, reiterating, this is the director of Hereditary, which yeah. is a very interesting horror mm-hmm. film. It brings about a lot of elements that that is pretty good you get the supernatural yeah the uh the trauma the yeah. depression the... But at
0: the very center it's the family dynamics oh, their yeah. their drama uh, but yeah
1: yeah but uh with mitt same director uh so again spoilers if anyone's seen it uh the first fifteen minutes of it is very traumatic the mm-hmm. main lead the the protagonist specifically the female, actually she is the protagonist um. She went something that is very traumatic. I'm not going to go into details because I know you haven't seen it. So, and it scars her. At first, when I saw this specific scene, I thought it was probably, you know, a group of other people who did this. But as you see throughout the film, it it turns out to be what really happened to her and her family actually happened. It wasn't through any other means. It wasn't through, you know, supernatural causes. It was human you know um interaction and you know following through to what happened to her and this traumatizes her throughout the whole film
2: yeah. it's
1: it's a very evident it's not even you know that first 15 <clears throat> minutes is not it's very traumatic mm-hmm. and a lot of people argue that it's not very like thorough
0: mm-hmm. of what
1: happened to her yeah. it's very evident throughout the whole film that she is still traumatized to what happened to her yeah it's it's evident through like even when they're deciding, you know, one of the, the, um, the roommates of, you know, the boyfriend, and first of all, I hate the boyfriend in this film. He <laughs> is such a fucking asshole to her. And it's justified because of what happened to him. Again, I'm not telling you what happened. But again, it's not happening. But, um, so, and, uh, when, when one of his roommates finally invites him to this Swedish, I think it's Sweden, right? Swedish, uh, the swedish festival that happens every i think 50 years or so yeah
2: um
1: and happens in this specific uh little sort of not even a town it's more of a a community there you Uh go it's more of a community that they celebrate this sort of ritual Mm -hmm. and uh in this roommate actually you know talks to the main protagonist about the trauma she's experienced Mm. and he relates to that trauma with the trauma that he experienced as a like a youth like witnessing something that is kind of equivalent to it, and that also ties back to what happened in the beginning. You see that everything and throughout everything you experience the trauma that she's living through every day mm-hmm. throughout the events that happened in this festival yeah you see a whole different check and a whole different you know side of her that like she's literally you see her you know living through this, and like every little step, every little action she does is just trying to survive from what she witnessed. Gotcha. Now the festival is a different thing though, yeah. obviously, so what happens there is um so it's a lot different
0: She has this trauma that she, she deals with she's still dealing with it, mm-hmm. and so part of it that you you would say that she's depressed
1: oh yeah, she is definitely you could see that very evident in many scenes that okay. that happen throughout, but it's not just that it's if you've seen the film. You see how the community helps her dealing with this trauma. Okay. You you really do. It's it's very evident because this community is all all for one and one for all. Mm-hmm. It really is. They they feel everything that each other feel that each every one of them feels. They're literally such a sympathetic and empathetic sort of people mm-hmm. that they witness everything together. And when this you know this outsider comes in, you see that happening as the events progress towards gotcha. the end and this is why i love midsommar a lot of people think it's a very underrated film it's very just like oh this is gonna happen this is what happens. Or
0: like predictable
1: it's, it's sort of pre- it's not really predictable in my case mm. but some people believe they think it was predictable
2: oh, okay
1: um but one of the snippets that i liked about this film is the reason why the director did it um mm. so at the time the director was dealing with a very hard um I think a very hard heartbreak with his uh, ex-girlfriend i think at the time Ooh. and he did this film because of it
0: have you seen possession
1: uh possession elaborate <sighs> on that
0: one i haven't watched it personally oh. but it it also deals with a breakup like you see this couple and their <laughs> relationship just break down mm-hmm. uh and same the director had just gone through like a very nasty breakup mm-hmm. and i think it gets to, like there are some violent scenes mm-hmm. but like it's just like you just see this expression, this breakdown of this relationship and hopefully we can watch it together. Yeah, no, yeah, but with
1: Midsommar you see that and that's I okay. see that's at least the premise of the film. Gotcha. You'll understand what I mean if you watch yeah. it, Stephen. You will understand. No, what you yeah, mean, it's just...
0: It three hours <laughs> yeah it's something i have to dedicate yeah my but idea. it's it's interesting
1: yeah. because what he does a director specific with this ritual he adds like little clues but very subtly
0: like hereditary it, yeah it's like sure.
1: exactly like how he did it um he he doesn't really like put it in your face you really have to pay attention to what this ritual is and how it happens and how right he true. directs this and plus the cinematography is pretty trippy yeah it's really awesome it's it's uh uh, there was this one instance or one scene that I like to remember is when you know because well, they
0: do drugs right? yeah they
1: do that's the one part so they, they do uh, the group comes to the to the town or not even the town the community but it's on the outskirts first and they're already some of them are already there just like you know chilling waiting for everybody else and they do shrooms like right then <laughs> nice. so but the funny part about this is that you see the cinematography and the landscaping change like if you were on shrooms you gotcha. see everything, like, change It's a really accurate representation. Oh, exactly. It's very colorful. Nice. And then you also get the paranoia that comes with eating shrooms. Gotcha. Which I thought it was cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> not a lot of people, like, if you haven't done it, you won't really know, but there is paranoia with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then throughout the whole... Shrooms, the whole... movie. Oh, there you go. That's another thing. Okay, yeah, that one... That's
0: like a i guess a horror comedy of like I this campers it's, a, it's <laughs> all
1: comedy man that's just that's, that's funny shrooms, it's but, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you also see this same cinematography go throughout the whole film even towards the end gotcha. it's very trippy a lot of people still think they saw something that wasn't there in the film
0: interesting yeah. okay
1: there's a lot of cool snippets about this film that I thought yeah. was pretty cool
0: um,
1: uh, but yeah that one it's it's mostly dealing with uh trauma and how the main protagonist uh deals with it in the community that she she doesn't know that she doesn't even belong to
0: that's uh, interesting that they all are, are opening their arms exactly, then like being empathetic to her pain that's what i thought
1: was cool it's nice. the fact that she's a foreigner yeah and you know these outside people are so empathetic yeah and feel her pain
0: mm. uh,
1: that's also another thing though that that, that that there's a reason why they do that to her though because of what happens towards the end <laughs>
0: It could be, uh, I from what I've heard, it sounds like this is almost like also part of like the cult mentality of like, uh, I forgot what's it called like emotional bombing, Ah, like being over supportive so that the people are much uh, more open to entering that community. Exactly, yeah. Uh, It's a tactic used to uh, trick people into into. Or, like, at least making the process easier for them to to be integrated into that cult. It's
1: attacking someone's emotions and um, being very sympathetic to those emotions that brings about a connection to people. Yeah. And that's how cults start, actually. Yeah. It's a lot of people that, like, you know, it's a nice guy who knows how to talk to people because, you know, he...
0: The charisma that they have.
1: Exactly. He he empathizes and he sympathizes with these people. It's like, oh, I know what you mean. Then he gets a cult following.
0: Kind of like, um, what's it called? Um... Uh, the one that just came out on Netflix. Uh, oh, the one with Zac Efron. Uh, Zac Efron. Something morbidly true. Blah, blah, blah. It's the oh, one. Uh, the uh, one where like all the all the women were fascinated by him. Yeah, it's but
1: it's a Ted Bundy one, right? Ted Bundy. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, he was very charismatic. Uh, yeah. oh But he didn't have he didn't specifically have a following, but his he did personality, attract a he, bunch he, of okay, fans, though. Yeah. To to be more precise. He was not a bad-looking guy. He wasn't. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. But it was also his charismatic uh, character that you know yeah. made him not a target. He That's was true. very well liked in the community. Yeah. And he was very like nice to women yeah. and that he attracted to. And there was a funny uh, story about that. It's uh I think he uh, hmm. he had a specific fan and he eventually married her and they hmm. had a kid together. Yeah. yeah. Still even if he was on death row for what crime that they that pinned him on yeah. she still didn't believe that he did it yeah and towards the end you know we find out that he confessed to every single one of the murders that he was tied to yeah and yeah after that she left him <laughs> but it, he was very charismatic yeah. and very believable yeah and that's what the scary thing about it is like again we can't characterize everybody the same way yeah not every serial killer is the same
0: gotcha not
1: every person is the same in that case
0: um wh- and though, uh, I guess to kind of like close down like this part of it, because we, we end up d- just developing into like horror and depression and, uh, and
1: a serial killer cult yeah. <laughs> a serial cult. yeah. Yeah, I guess we're everywhere at this point.
0: <laughs> um, I guess, uh, let's open the space for, uh, uh, uh Japanese, the so one cut of the dead.
1: Oh, <laughs> very fun. Awesome movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, to give a little, you know, feed uh, not a feedback, a little background of yeah. the film. So it was this film started with a budget of what?
0: It was like 30,000 or something yeah, $30,
1: 000, like that. Yeah, $30,000, right? That was US dollars? US dollars. Yeah, and it had no budget on the trailer or what was it? Yeah, they like, like
0: for promotional like it didn't didn't really do much promotion and it more than tripled. Uh no, it, it's like four it's, or five it's, times. It's, it's
1: not even more than tripled, it's probably more than 10 times, but it made over what, a billion dollars? No, not a billion. No, no, a no. million more or less. I think it was uh, a million or something like that. We have some DVD. Really? That's somewhere over there. I don't know, but it made a lot of money yeah. when it came to the box office. Yeah, it was a very. It they didn't show any trailer. They didn't yeah. promote it very well. It was literally just I think from you know shot to DVD, right?
0: No, okay. they opened in the theaters. the theaters.
1: Okay, so it was from shot to theater. Yeah. And a lot of people love this film. Yeah. Because it, it's a it's a very fascinating concept of what happens.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I guess like. To, to give it the main premise of the movie. Because uh, this is another zombie movie. Ooh. But... um, it's kind of like a found footage. But the difference about this is that... Kind of like Le- uh, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you like the behind the scenes of creating this uh, movie. And so it opens very much like... This is a horror movie. This is a zombie movie. And then it eventually devolves into... uh how that horror movie was created. Uh, and so there's a lot of comedy in seeing how everything that goes behind into into making a very certain scenes. And it's one cut of the dead means, like, it's a one extended shot. No cuts. Um,
1: there's no editing involved. No, no editing
0: involved. And so, like, there's also the humor of that, of, of improvising uh, when mistakes happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so... I loved it well, it's a great um, film
1: um it's it's typically different from any zombie film that anyone has encountered uh I know that yeah. you know you have your typical you know zombie eating you know people and yeah, all that, yeah, yeah but it's it's the fact that you know you get the behind the scenes look of how these people did this to create yeah. this so those it, it gets funny. really
0: meta yeah. oh
1: yeah, it really does it's really interesting you're like you're really behind like you know it's almost inception you're behind a camera with another camera and then another camera yeah <laughs> so it's really cool but um what i liked it well the fascination about it is the fact that you know how you said it was literally one shot one edit so most of these actors even though some were like assholes, <laughs> they, um, they they had to improvise. Yeah, and so and most of the people that are doing behind the camera work, they were like holding these signs saying like you know something's wrong, improvise, yeah. do something. But we don't get that initially in the first like what 30, 30 no, minutes. or it's like first 15, fifteen minutes, right? Fifteen to twenty. minutes. Because the first fifteen minutes of the film, it's literally the film itself. Mm-hmm. We don't get any background story. We literally just you know open scene. This is what's happening. We're making yeah. a movie. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, after towards, like, the end, the, you know, the part one of the end credits. Yeah. We get, like, a month before of what was really happening. Exactly. And that's when the comedy part kicks in. Yeah. It's even funny. But, uh, yeah, it's a really fascinating film. Cause it's it a heartwarming
0: see- film, oh, too. it really yeah. is, yeah.
1: Because, you, you know, you get the director side of it. Yeah. And even though in the beginning we think like he's like, oh, my God, he just wants to shoot this just yeah, for the asshole, Yeah, he's an asshole, like always. <laughs> and then, you know, we get the opposite of, like, you know, the part two when yeah. it comes in. we get the actors that are assholes and yeah.
0: everything. Yeah, it plays with your expectations because you get one impression by the characters that these characters, uh, that these actors portray in the movie, but... It, it really upends that and then so like at the main premise of it it's like the director and the daughter yeah like that's the emotional core to this movie yeah
1: you get that relationship and how they both want to like you know the you get the dad who's like an old-time director already mm-hmm. and then you get like the newer generation of who wants to be a director too and how yeah. their ideas sort of mash up and come together towards the end And i yeah. thought that was cool and specifically, you know what happens towards the end, you know, with the yeah. photo and everything.
0: It even makes fun of, like, method actors, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it does. That's why we <laughs> all hate...
1: you No, guys, we all hate method actors, okay? I'm just telling you now, they're all a hoes.
0: <laughs> actually, in the uh, last house on the left, mm. one of the killers uh, was a method actor. In that film? And actually threatened some of uh, some, some of the other uh, co-stars.
1: Yeah, that happens with method acting. Yeah. You get so into your role... And that's what we get in one cut of the dead, with specifically one There's actor, comedy it, and yeah. actually specifically two actors. But one was just suddenly, yeah. Uh, they get so into their roles, yeah, and they 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 start becoming the character they actually believe in. And we actually see a lot of uh that happen even today Hollywood. I could give you one example with uh you yeah, know, Christian
0: Bale is one of yeah, them, right?
1: Not Christian yeah. Bale, but when I'm specifically talking about God rest his soul is Heath Ledger. Oh,
0: his Joker. yeah.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, he really got into that role. Yeah. He didn't sleep, and you know what ended up yeah. happening is he OD'd on his sleeping medication. Yeah. Uh, well, not really. It's sleep aid medication. Yeah. But they, with these method actors, they get you know it's a really well-rounded um, method of doing you know your acting your job.
0: Well, it depends. Like. Like you said, if it gets to the point where you're sleep-depriving yourself, or like Christian Bell, he went into like 90 or 80 pounds for the machinist the, yeah. or the machinist. Oh,
1: yeah, and then there you also get, um, what's his name, um, Matthew McConaughey, who did Dallas Buyers Club, yeah. who also lost a lot of pounds just to get into that role. Yeah, it's like, you it get, could be get, unhealthy
0: for yeah, a while. Yeah, exactly,
1: but, um, you know, then you get these iconic roles that they play in, but... At what cost. Yeah. You get me? But you know, diverging again with uh <laughs> one uh, with one cut of the dead, uh we, we see that in in yeah. both instances and we also get, you know, the before and after. Yeah. You know, we get like, this is happening. Why did it happen? And, all mm-hmm. that. and then, you know, throughout the whole second part of the film, yeah, you, we all, I remember when we were watching it, we were all like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is why that's yeah. happening. There's so many comic, <laughs> comedy parts yeah. in this film. I was cracking up throughout the whole second part. It yeah. was great. I no, I was film. crying. It was nice. <laughs> uh,
0: even uh, we have a friend there, Emmanuel, who they normally, I guess, don't watch that many horror movies, at least compared to us. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. This is
1: like no competition. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, a normal normal guy yeah he watches you know your typical regular films from time to time not yeah. like every day
0: <laughs> yeah so uh they enjoyed it and i would highly recommend the movie to anyone it, it's it's literally it's it's a comedy uh somewhat drama because you get into the drama of the behind the scenes oh so. yeah
1: they get that you know uh director uh what is it product uh producer
0: yeah yeah conflict yeah so it, it's it's honestly it's 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 hilarious um and uh i think no we imported the oh shutter has it right Shutter now. has it that's yeah. uh,
1: that's one of the streaming sites that i think only has it at the moment yeah unless you actually you know do your streaming and by yeah. other means yeah. hint hint wink wink
2: yeah
0: <laughs>
1: but uh you could find it at shutter that's uh, not that much i think it's a what four dollar for dollar ninety seven subscription, I think, or $6. five or six dollars for yeah. a month. For a month, it's not too bad. If you ever want to see any horror films, I love
0: international horror movies on that on the on that one. So yeah, if, if you, you want to spend
1: a couple bucks, you know, get a subscription to Shutter.
0: Yeah, especially this Halloween season. <laughs> exactly, um, and I think, well, yeah. I'd... Call it episode. Oh sure,
1: why not? Yeah, have fun, guys. (laughs) We've been talking for like an hour. We
0: have. (laughs) Um. Thanks, Ariga.
1: Yeah, no problem. Bye,
0: guys. Bye.